Welcome to CII Podcasts. Hello everyone, this is Renuka Singh, Senior Consultant at the Confederation of Indian Industry and I'm hosting this episode for you. Welcome to yet another interesting edition of the CII Podcasts and today we will be talking about powering India's future growth. India is the third largest electricity producer in the world, but it lags in per capita power availability. The government has taken many steps to expand power capacity in the country, right from oil exploration and coal mining to power generation and distribution. Electricity has been achieved in all villages of India and one nation, one grid system has been introduced. As India grows, we will need more and more electricity. There is also the challenge of addressing climate change. To discuss the opportunities in India's power sector, we are in conversation today with Mr. Anil Sardana. Mr. Sardana is the Managing Director and CEO of Adani Transmission and is additionally responsible for Adani Power. He has earlier served as the CEO and MD of Tata Power when he was in charge of power distribution in Delhi as the Tata representative. He turned around the way power is distributed in the city with world record reduction of aggregate technical and commercial losses. He also has vast experience in the telecom sector and infrastructure in general. Mr. Sadana is the co-chair of CI's National Infrastructure Council. Thank you, Ranuka, for that very long uh, introduction. Thank you. Hello, Anil. Thank you for joining us today on CII Podcast. Thank you for having me over and I look forward to having good engagement. So, India's infrastructure sector today in a, is in a very dynamic and vibrant place with many new policies and a strong focus on expansion and reducing the gaps. Let me begin by asking you how you see these changes in the Indian infrastructure sector over the past 40 years since you've been associated with it. India as a country has vast geography and naturally having seen several ups and downs in the last century in terms of how the wars impacted us, how the northern part of the country uh, had to undergo a lot of uh, uh, challenges. One saw that the stability and the education part was more stable in down south, whereas the northern and the eastern parts did see those disturbances. And that in a way impacted our growth paradigms as well. Now, when you talk about economy, the growth paradigms clearly get serviced by virtue of aspects like education, aspects like how people get into entrepreneurship mode, how do they really abet to the economy as such, how does the entire aspect of governance and the government rally behind the needs of the people. In these various aspects of impact, also the social fabric changed from time to time, thereby impacting the way the government and the governance could really influence putting things on a, on a fast track. Now, that's what we saw in a very simplified term, the infrastructure emerging much better in some parts of the Western and the Southern India, whereas the North and the Eastern part lacked it quite badly. We also are cognizant of the fact that India is quite blessed with natural resources on the Eastern and the Central part of India. And unfortunately, since it was a disturbed zone, it didn't contribute much to our economic problem. As also the wealth distribution by virtue of opportunities, by virtue of various other aspects that we talked a few minutes before, got skewed. With the result, if you see our 
per capita wealth distribution that's not consistent across geographies if you look at the per capita consumption that is an example that you gave in your opening remark is inconsistent again across the geographies now it's not a problem of availability it's a problem of the fact that our quality of life imperatives actually have remained to a point where we use one fourth of the global average in terms of per capita similarly all the other parts like airports ports aspects like roads and the supporting infrastructure areas which which allow or enable you mentioned about energy basket for example oil gas coal and a numerous other aspects which abet the entire infrastructure growth they remain stymied investment priority went into stabilization of masses it went into education it went into uh, getting some of the medical help for uh, the masses so naturally speaking in last 40 years if i was to now round up and summarize india has remained quite bereft of the desired level of investment in infrastructure therefore today the demand is tremendous the opportunity is humongous it's an area where you require uh billions of dollars in terms of equity itself and the estimates that invest india had projected at some stage was as large as 500 billion and i am conscious of the fact that if we are looking at 5 trillion uh dollar economy uh in the way our honorable prime minister has announced then in which case such a requirement perhaps would be even large so just to top it up in infrastructure growth needs much larger emphasis going forward that's going to be the harbinger of catapulting our economy to this 5 trillion aspiration that we have last but not the least i guess next decade is going to see a lot of dollars getting invested in all formats of taking off from your experiences and coming to the power sector in particular for companies wishing to enter the space what is the potential of the future the sector requires a high upfront capital infusion a lot of land needs to be purchased and investors need to be patient over the long run before they see benefits do you think india has created the right conditions for investors to enter the infrastructure space okay just to understand the power sector as uh, as a word that we use it consists of three aspects or if it consists of two key aspects one is the supply side and the other is the demand side as far as the supply side is concerned india has done exceedingly well i would put it where likes of our um, state owned enterprises as also our independent private producers donned by the private sector have done a great job in terms of managing all kind of available fuels very effectively also when the call came in in terms of moving to the supply side to the renewable option i guess again our participating players have done tremendous job in terms of putting us to a, a map where we are already upwards of 1 gigawatt and marching towards much larger portfolio uh, in the days so supply side brilliant job now if we look at the demand side i i guess that's where we have a larger part of the issues we haven't invested enough on what we call as a retail distribution of electricity we haven't invested enough in making sure that customer becomes the pivot of our delivery 
customer has to be the center stage of all our actions but we haven't succeeded doing that and that's an area of reforms that has to see a large amount of change happen and the government is completely conscious of that and a lot of action is being taken in terms of the enabling laws to be changed and we'll talk more about that there is a middleware in between which connects the two and we loosely call that as transmission sub transmission system which is nothing but a middleware which acts nicely in terms of you know what you use the word one grid that describes the competence that india has in terms of operating regional yet being one synchronous grid i would say again we can compare ourselves to be one of the best in the world uh, i have had fortunately the opportunity to work with some of the uh, developed economies in terms of how their transmission system should be digitalized because they are not able to operate as easily as we are able to operate out of various challenges so again generation and transmission side which which is uh, which are two areas where india has done exceedingly well and all kind of investment that you have seen yes the enabling system that we have are uh, i would say supportive of investments the retail side needs reforms and that's perhaps one area of weakness that deters some of the investors because if the shopkeeper does not earn out of the merchandise that you sell then naturally the supply chain gets impacted and the others worry whether the product that i'm going to feed to the shopkeeper is going to elicit uh you know response back that i will get paid on time so that's the kind of worry people have but i'm sure the policy makers are making sure that even this last mile uh gets corrected and gets corrected soon government has consulted industry extensively on various reforms amongst them the electricity amendments act and power tariff policy are important ones but the efficacy is not visible yet how do you see the impact of this on the confidence of investors in power sector what can stakeholders do to accelerate the reforms i would still give government the due for whatever changes or positive actions we have seen on ground they have responded from time to time we should be conscious of the fact that by indian law electricity is a concurrent subject which means that the federal can play role of an enabling framework and the states in our federal system have to play the role in terms of ensuring that the electricity is delivered reliably and in a competitive form it is in this entire balancing act that many times things fall between the cracks and that's exactly what's happened but we must again very quickly suggest the fact that the government of the day the current dispensation has clearly recognized that there is a gap in the last mile and today fortunately a draft bill which is which is amidst various stages of parliamentary evolution clearly addresses the industry issue so they have consulted the industry industry has given forth its points they have incorporated those points in the draft that's there Uh, and i'm sure the lawmakers will soon endorse that once that's done to a large degree it will enable the reform process it will also address some of the other enabling issues uh, which over a point of time that industry has learned and wishes to plug to make sure that it becomes more impeccable and robust so i would say that uh, the the government of the day 
uh, is very proactive and has been responding very positively to the industry suggestions. The power sector recently went through a crisis of coal shortage. It was in the news. Many power plants were running at very low stock of coal and were facing the danger of scaling down power production or closing down temporarily due to shortage of coal. Why did such a situation arise in your view? And what could be the permanent solution for this? You know, it's very ironically that whatever is a recency factor, we as human beings have that at top of our mind and we always recall that. Let me express this in no uncertain terms, that every year, post-monsoon, we face similar coal shortage. Each year after July, in the month of August, September, we have these shortfalls. However, in those times, we immediately fall back on the alternate. What's the alternate? The easiest alternate is to import coal. This year, when such a situation recurred, I wouldn't say occurred, it recurred, <laughs> we were caught into a frenzy where the imported coal prices had gone through the roof. And that's the reason why even those stations which used to normally operate on, operating on the imported coal had decided to shut down their operations because they found it completely, uh, you know, out of whack to operate at such expensive coal prices. And naturally, those which saw the shortfall like previous years didn't have that alternate supply to themselves. And that's why we saw the crisis what we saw. All in all, we need to be very clear that India as a country still has dependence on coal for at least a decade or decade or I would say even two decades. And in such case, we therefore need to have our policies right in terms of stacking them. We have to have our policies right in terms of having long-term contracts. And also we have to have policies of st stocking in terms of how many days. Because you see, when you do that more, the management of the companies become conscious that why do you have so much of working capital often? Or the regulators become conscious, why are you stocking for such a long time? So the country now has learned out of these experiences and we need to take appropriate action. So talking of coal, energy sector is going through a transformational phase on account of climate change. The world over, there is a focus on green energy. In fact, India has emerged as a leading nation in the renewable energy sector. At uh, COP26, India raised its renewable energy target to 500 gigawatts and producing 50% of the power from non-fossil fuel by 2030. As an industry leader, how do you see these targets? What do you think would be the headwinds or challenges going forward? Particularly considering 70% of India's electricity generation at present is coal-based. Right, absolutely. But in fact, the slight bit of mix in the, the narrative that you just mentioned, uh, what our Prime Minister has declared at COP26 is that we will have 500 gigawatt of non-fossil. So the non-fossil word is here. And when it comes to 50%, it is RE by 2030. So this is indeed very promising. And by being non-fossil, we already had 450 gigawatt of our target from renewable. And that has been increased to 500 for non-fossil, which means we could even enhance our nuclear, we could even enhance our hydro, because those will also form non-fossil, uh, which is very positive and which is very encouraging. And I guess as a country, uh, we must have our head high in terms of the fact that we are taking such ambitious and such positive targets uh, in, uh, for ourselves. And similarly, by saying that, you know, what was earlier stated as the fact that we will have uh, close to about 30-35% uh, 
targets by 2030. Enhancing that to 45% emission intensity target itself is again, uh, you know, clearly reminiscent of the fact that uh, we are conscious of the carbon emissions. We are conscious of the fact that we will respond appropriately. Coming to therefore, us as a country, I think it's a balancing act between two aspects. One, we are a growing nation. We are a developing nation. You mentioned in your opening words that our per capita consumption is still just about 1,100 kilowatt hour to an individual, whereas the global average is three, four times higher. That means we are still waiting for the right quality uh, to be provided to us, the right amount of electricity to be provided to us for us to use those appliances which run on electricity, which we could afford, right? So one is, that means we will all be encouraged to use more electricity. And the balancing side of the other is that we are conscious of the fact that we need to reduce our emission. We are conscious of the fact, conscious of the fact that we need to use more renewables and non-fossil based generation alternatives. And therefore, uh, Honorable Prime Minister has made those remarks very clearly. Now, uh, the statement is out, consensus statement is out, which clearly says that the coal will not be, uh, you know, kind of phased out, but will be phased down. And the meaning of that is countries like us uh, can make sure that we are not to hurry up to let the alternate forms of non-fossil, which could take its time to uh, get surrupted into the system, uh, get commissioned into our mainstream, uh, coal can continue to deliver a competitive, reliable power in the Indian context. So, I guess uh, very promising, very thought, thought, uh, uh, thoughtful gesture by the policymakers, and I must laud all the advisors uh, of the government to have uh, really taken lead in the global situation with regard to the emission standards and commitment to RE. At the same time, balanced it with our requirement. Coming back to the infrastructure sector as a whole, the government has introduced the National Infrastructure Pipeline and the National Monetization Plan. The energy sector is one of the most prominent sector, sectors in this plan with about 500 billion US dollars of project value for power being planned and about 8 billion US dollars of government projects to be monetized. What opportunities are there for the private sector in these programs? Before I get into the need for monetization and a very appropriate announcement by the government of the day, I must add for all our listeners, the energy basket is going to take a transition in which today molecules like oil, coal, gas, the molecule constitutes close to about 80% in the energy basket. 20% is electricity. That's our energy basket. In India, we are talking about this 20 to be lifted to 30% by 2030. So therefore, you will see paradigm shift in the way the energy basket stands today. Number one, as I said, we will move a lot of energy to actually benign use of electricity. And electricity is the cleanest form of energy when we use that. So you will have electric vehicles, you will have a lot of devices shifting there, you will have a lot of mobility applications, you will have a lot of industrial applications moving to electricity. Today, we, we are honored to say that, you know, our schemes encourage people to use gas for cooking, which is far better than the earlier uh, polluting formats that people were using. I'm not sure how long we will profess that. Very soon we will be talking about electricity to be used for 
and it'll be encouragement that people should use only electricity for cooking because that's a cleanest form and there are no residues etc so coming back to the understanding that the country which is going to have electricity as the key energy constituent of the basket the rest 50% will also go through a change where carbon formats will be changed to hydrogen and when the carbon which is which causes carbon dioxide which causes which is a greenhouse gas which causes the climate change gets changed to hydrogen and back to green hydrogen which means that even that part of the energy basket will become benign now the reason why i gave you this context is because you need now this transition to be supported initially through bgf through various government programs and therefore the government needs a lot of kitty to encourage this transition and to to support this you need money and of course the government needs money for several other programs of infrastructure building but this transition is the key reason why the government must therefore mop up through various alternate methods and i guess it's very innovative of government and very timely of government to have announced the national monetization policy and various assets which have been brought there uh, and the innovative format in which the asset will uh, consume it back to the government department because the asset is not being pumped off it's only it's it's uh, running and it's uh, monetization which is which is the center to this entire policy uh, very timely very innovative i must compliment the government but this is the entire connectivity that we as energy and power people must understand that why it is very critical and why it is very tight that's a lot of information and very very informative also so finally cii has a long engagement in the infrastructure sector anil what is being done by cii to boost investments in the infrastructure sector now cii is a is a body which represents the industry interest which represents uh, various stakeholders interest including that of the government and we therefore are providing an immense platform for us to deal with the policy makers on one side uh, various key stakeholders like lenders financiers on the other side the ngos the media people on on the third leg and the enabling industrial players to contribute to that infrastructure development uh, as the key guys or the salient guys who will eventually uh, make sure that the fruition happens and we therefore do everything possible in all arenas connected with infrastructure be ports airports and you've seen a lot of programs that are evolving in terms of how the highway development is being spurted how various aspects of uh, the the rail programs are being expanded how changes are being done to various stations and various aspects of the freight corridors how uh, infrastructure development related to the uh, exclusive corridors supported by new township developments uh, across the uh, various manufacturing uh, uh, sectors to be to be to be developed alongside those freight corridors so immense amount of activities happening in each infrastructure area and ci is the platform which is uh, which is facilitating this bridge between various stakeholders to make sure that whatever are the gap areas whatever are the areas which can enable and spurt the investment to the point of fruition uh is is facilitated and we are very happy that uh, you know everyone uses it to the best 
you know, we we find the finance ministry, the commerce ministry, the various other ministries, the prime minister office, uh, the the Niti Aayog, all of them use these platforms uh, to 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 make sure that this gap is bridged, and and uh, may this methodology continue and succeed uh, because there is nothing like success and, and nothing more satisfying than the fact that CII as a platform is able to see this country. uh targeting something like uh, 9 to 10% growth uh as uh, projected by Mr. Amitabh Khan in his uh last address to say that you know we will be behind poverty and and there'll be nothing called poverty if we are able to grow at 9 10% for next one decade and i guess uh CII uh infra committee and uh, must make sure that uh, we we uh, are a clear evangelist and a catalyst uh in this regard. thank you like i said very interesting and very informative anil this is very encouraging for the indian private sector and i think that there's a lot of scope for investors including foreign investors to come in and participate in this dynamic infrastructure space thank you very much for your ideas and perspectives we very much appreciate your making time for this and thank you once again for being with us thank you for having me over for international investors a country with such english speaking background laws which have all uh, uh, you know open methodology to be executed and a country which with open arms uh, welcomes everyone so i guess uh, it's a land of opportunity and there can't be any other better place than india for them to invest thank you all the best thank you thank you very much for being with us thank you for listening to cii podcasts